Welcome to the Lancaster Patriot Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm joined today by Travis Schmalhofer, Luke Saint, and Joel Saint, and we are here to discuss a mini-conference that was held right here in Lancaster County, and the title of it was The End of Christendom, with a question mark. Has Christendom come to an end? This was put on at Zelton Reich Reformed Church, uh, which is here in Lancaster County, as I mentioned, and the speaker of this mini-conference was Dr. W. Robert Godfrey of Legionnaire Ministries. Uh, you may have heard of him before. I've listened to some of his stuff in the past. By the way, I did contact or attempt to contact Dr. Godfrey and also Robert Godfrey Jr., who's the pastor at Zelton Reich Reformed Church, to invite them onto the podcast to discuss this. I've not heard back from either Dr. Godfrey or uh, Pastor Godfrey at Zelton Reich Reformed Church, but that invitation remains open for them to come onto the show and discuss this. So this was a, it was a simple conference, two sessions, where Dr. Godfrey is asking the question and answering it, has Christendom come to an end, and then giving his analysis and his, I guess, path forward. So there were two sessions, about an hour each, and we're going to try to dig into these in two parts, about an hour each. So I want to set the stage, gentlemen, and I want to p- play this clip. This is the longest clip I have to play. It's just under three minutes, but I want to give people understanding of where Dr. Godfrey was going. And uh, this is from the beginning of part two. So I want to listen to this and then we'll get right into this. Now, to be fair, Dr. Godfrey, he said he's painting with a broad brush. He only had two hours. However, I think when we analyze this, we're going to see there's some problems with his definition definition of Christendom and where he goes with this. So uh, we're going to look how he defines Christendom, especially today. Uh, Then we're going to talk about why he says it ended Uh, But first, listen here to him explain what Christendom did for Christianity. And also, this is very important for both talks, the single biggest issue as it relates to the end of Christendom. I'm going to play this clip. This is from the beginning of part two. And here he's going to give you what his biggest issue with Christendom was. And this frames everything in, in this conference and moving forward where he says, here's the solution. So let's play this clip and then we'll discuss it. Uh, If you're agreed with me that Christendom has come to an end, you don't have to, but I am right. Uh, If you you agree with me that Christendom has come to an end, we can look back on it and say, what did did Christendom do for Christianity? And what did Christendom do for culture? Well, it uh, brought to Christianity a great deal of influence. It brought to Christianity a great deal of numbers. Uh, large numbers of people, and it brought to Christendom a great deal of power culturally over the centuries, centuries and centuries. You look back on the history of the West, and almost everywhere you look, you see the impress of Christendom, whether it's in philosophy or in music or in art, um, everywhere, architecture. um, Christendom made a huge impact Uh, It was really born out of um, Christendom, that we have uh, widespread education, that we have universities. Uh, Christendom accomplished a great deal through the centuries, in addition to unifying uh, the West in certain ideas and ideals. But um, Christendom came at a price. Um, The single biggest issue I think we face is, I'll put it this way, for a good deal of the history of Christendom, 
Christendom had authority and power and influence because of coercion. There was a coercive power the state could use to enforce aspects of Christianity. For a lot of the history of Christendom, now we're talking about almost 1,500 years of history, um, the state used its coercive power to stop people from getting a divorce if they wanted a divorce. The, the state used its coercive power uh, to arrest and punish homosexuals. So various aspects of life, uh, the power of the state in the interests of Christendom were coercive. And I think the biggest single question when we think about going forward as Christians is, do we think that we would like to see restored the coercive power of the state to enforce Christianity? All right, so there was, there was the first clip where he, again, that's the beginning of part two, he kind of lays out his concern with Christendom. And listening to that and the whole thing, you get this impression that Christendom was coercion. And when you frame it like that, you can understand why Godfrey says, you know, the end of Christendom is, is not that big of a problem. So uh, my, one of my first questions from that was, he didn't seem to address whether, was it good that divorce or homosexual acts, he just said homosexuality, was it good that those would be illegal? He never addressed that, did he? Apparently the man believes in no-fault divorce, right? Because he, he does not believe the state should be involved in that at all. Well, then, if, if a person just walks away from a marriage and says, I want to be divorced, the state's got nothing to say about that, right? Right. To be fair to him, he probably didn't say that. But what, he, what the impression you get is, this, this is coercion. That's how he paints the picture. And then later he says, well, we need to ask these questions. Do we really want the state to be criminalizing divorce or, or homosexual acts, I wish he would have said? And he just kind of leaves it open-ended. So that, so so he said. I would like to have like flipped in there murder. Can you just you know put murder in there? Do do we want the state to enforce uh, sanctions against murder? Oh, far be it from us! All right, I forgot to take my tranquilizer before I got on the show today. Yeah, we didn't give that pill to you. Yeah. So so Luke, his biggest question is this: Do we want to restore the coercive power of the state to enforce aspects of Christianity? And I know he, he, you know, he says he's painting with a broad brush, but the broad brush he paints with, and we're going to get into some other clips we have. He's not painting. He's not painting with a broad brush. He's painting with a a Hollywood propaganda brush. That's what he's painting with. He is parroting um, what just exactly what the pagans told him to parrot. He is he is standing with his back to pagan a pagan understanding of history, as if, as if. Without Christendom, there'd be no coercion. What in the world that you you ascribe coercion to Christendom? That's it. No one else did it, and we don't have that now. As in, don't wear. I mean, you know, you're free to not wear a mask or not take the vax or or you're, you go ahead and say the N word, Doctor uh, Doctor Godfrey. Go ahead and say it. You won't be coerced to do anything. What in the world? Why would he say? Here's the problem with Christendom. It was coercive. 
why would you why would you ascribe that character to it when everybody else that's like saying you know what the problem with america was that they had slavery dude everyone was doing slavery we were all doing slavery tell me a nation that wasn't doing slavery we were all doing it here the problem with christendom is i was coercive everyone was coercive who stopped the coercive nature of the state tell me somebody or something or an institution outside christendom that said hey we probably shouldn't be doing this anymore that's what I want to know. Who said to Christendom, we shouldn't be coercive? Don't tell me it was the pagans because they love being coercive. They're being coercive now. So who in outside of Christendom said, hey, we, we probably shouldn't do this anymore. This guy doesn't know his history. Doesn't know his history. Cromwell was the first one to be like, hey, you know what? Ah, you know, I, I bet you, he, uh, I'll, I'll bet you any money, dad. That he looks to Cromwell to be like, Exhibit A, coercive. Here's the problem. Let's go. You know, Cromwell was up there saying to Christians, one of the first people as an institutional leader, as a government leader, saying, hey, You know what? If they want to believe that, just let them. Just let them believe that. It's all right. It's fine. It's okay. Just everyone just, can we get along, get some religious liberty around here? He was one of the first ones to say that. Tell me somebody outside Christendom who was saying that. And 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 he ascribes coerce, coercion to to Christendom as if we like Christendom invented it. And who's the one who got rid of coercion? Was it not Christendom that's continually reforming itself? This guy is at first he's biblically illiterate, and I stand by that. I stand by that because he said Christ didn't have a coercive bone in his body. How could you? I want to walk up. To, I, I had a fantasy. Okay, I, okay. Full disclosure, I had a fantasy. I had a fantasy of me walking up to him on stage with a bullwhip and saying, that's, that's, just, that's just one. That's not, that's not a cat of nine tails. Just a bullwhip, okay? One bullwhip and walking up and saying, get off the stage. Am I being coercive? Get off the stage. Am I being coercive? Am I being coercive? And just whipping this guy off the stage and ask, hey, am I being coercive? If he says no, then he's lying. If he says yes, then he admitted he lied because Christ was obviously whipping people out of the temple. And you don't think that's coercive? And you are this big ligonier big shot with all these years of teaching? And and I'm sitting there with my bag of chips going, wait, hang on, hang on a second. Remember that time when Christ whipped people out of the temple? Oh, Christ didn't have a coercive bone in his body. You, This is insane. This this man is asinine. And and this is the problem with Christian celebrityism. When people are just sitting there quietly going, oh, oh I guess, yeah, Christ never did have a course of bone in his body i cannot believe that nobody stood up uh, in the q a time i'm disappointing the listeners hey what about that time when christ whipped people out of the temple don't you think that was coercive nobody asked that i listened to q a i couldn't believe that nobody asked that question friends yeah, we've got to hold we have got to christ hold our leaders to a biblical standard and stop with the christian celebrity nonsense i cannot believe the whole thing was the whole thing was a disaster. The whole thing was nothing you can't learn in a Christian high school textbook. It was nothing new. It was no insight. It was just pagan. I, I think most of you can learn a pagan high school textbook. Yeah, quite, quite frankly, truly. I, 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 up until the time he quotes Mark, I, I did not see where this was really differing from from pagan propaganda. Yeah, whole I, whole discussion I, I was ask. couched outside of scripture. Yeah. Whole discussion. He yeah. only said the word Bible once. And the only scripture he quoted was from Mark for the for the whole. Well, how, how long did he speak? Three and a half hours? No, three, two hours. Two hours. It seemed like he only said Bible once. He only said Bible one time. I cannot believe that you you call yourself a Bible teacher. What and and, and his and his his application was terrible. 
He had basically no application. His application was, here's here's five solutions, and if you're looking for the best one, it's mine. <laughs> he kept saying, like, mine's the best, and I'm the right one, one the right <laughs> just joking, but, you know, kind of not, really. And so that kind of bugged me a little bit, but whatever. Um, you were bugged? I, I couldn't tell you were bugged. <laughs> I was going to try to get into this nuanced and give Dr. Godfrey the benefit of the doubt with some things that I think we went off over. the rails already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just he kept saying it like, well, you know, I'm right. You know, that first clip we just played, well, I'm right. You know, all that kind of stuff. And then later he's like, you know, if you want the ones, uh, he keeps saying, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. Whatever. He just kept saying it. And, and um, it just bugged me. After a while, after a while it got to me. And, uh, uh, he, he, you know, he, he says, here's four ways and here's the fifth way. My way is the best way. And this is my way. Uh, Abraham Kuyper um, basically tried to distinguish between uh, the secular and the sacred or, or, or something like that. And he goes, well, how do we do that? I don't know. And that's my application. Thanks for coming to my talk. Right. Are, are you kidding me? No, you're right about that. Are you kidding me? He asked his application was, what, how do we do this? I don't know. And, and he never went to the Bible. He never offered the Bible. He never stood on the foundation of the scriptures one time and said, thus saith the Lord. Never. The whole conversation was couched outside of outside of the, the authority of scripture. And it concluded with questions like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I guess we're all just, we're dust in the wind, man. You know, I, you know what? You know what's better than listening to this lecture? I submit to you, Kansas. Kansas. Dust in the All wind. All we are is dust in, in the, the wind. wind. You got the same message. You got yeah. the same message at the end of the day. I don't know what to do. <laughs> hey, friends, don't listen to this. Just turn on Kansas, dust in the wind, and you'll get the same application. Come on, everybody. All we are is dust in the wind. All right. I well, close my eyes. All right. All right now all right. let's get to the academic well, analysis okay. of this. So for, <laughs> for, for the rest of the show, we need to back up what luke just said there um because i tend to agree uh, generally speaking with just, everything he the, said the standard is just so high you know what i'm saying this is a big shot he's got all right. his degrees he's got all this bible teaching and he says things that that are biblically wrong on the face of it that you could learn in sunday school right those those things and i don't have those clips we'll do those in part two because that was part two where he did say jesus does not have a course of bone in his body he called the disciples bozos and all this stuff we'll, we'll, we'll get into that um, but to your point, Luke, this is really, in one sense, one of the faces of Reformed Christianity, the, the, the academic, the intellectual, and that's why we are dealing with his arguments and what he presented. Um, and so, yeah, Luke brought the heat there. Let's try to, though, analyze Bring, bring some light. Yeah, a, a little bit here. <laughs> be good, yeah. a, a little bit. So I, I want to start off with, okay, you, you brought up a lot of stuff there, Luke, um, but he... One of my biggest problems with this talks is, talk is that he conflates a, a state church, basically, mm -hmm. establishmentarianism, where the state is basically enforcing what he would say, and we would agree, the church should be doing, you know, discipline for heretical beliefs, so on and so forth. He says, a Christendom is establishmentarianism, essentially. But then other times, he conflates that. He says, no, Christendom is simply a government being influenced by Christianity, and he never says this, but I would say applying biblical law. So those are two totally different things. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to listen to someone like this, and the title of the thing is The End of Christendom, and his whole talk about what you know, what is Christendom, and it's come to an end, and that's good, what is Christendom? And he does not have a coherent definition of Christendom. Mm -hmm. uh, when you were listening to this, Travis, did you get, hey, I know exactly what he's saying with Christendom? No, it was a little bit murky, I would say. Uh, because like you said, he he kind of switches back and forth. But it seems like based on the clip that you just played at the beginning there, the thing that we should be running with is his understanding of it as coercion 
of Christian belief. It's and, hard not to come to that conclusion. Yeah, I mean, especially in his like, application. Especially in the second lecture then, because in the first lecture, you kind of, you know, you're not really sure exactly where he's going with it. Um, and there were there were a lot of aspects of the first lecture where I thought, okay, you know, I can get on board with most of what he's saying here with, he was just analyzing the history of everything. Yeah, but, saying, hey, by the way, there's, there's transgenderism in the streets. We're like, yeah, you know. Right. We, we agree with that. Yeah. There wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot in the first lecture that I really, you didn't know exactly where it was going, but then in the second lecture you get, okay, this is what he's trying to do with it. Um, but yeah, I, I think from, if you're going to listen to his lectures come from the understanding that he's talking about Christian belief being coercively imposed on people by the state. So, let me give. Let me give. Some- I, I would say Christian confession, so, and and that's it. Not, not not Christian law because Christian law is God's law that applies to everyone. He's really talking about Christian confession, right? That's why it's a Christian belief. Uh, uh, well, uh, okay, all right, uh, yeah, I, I can certainly accept that. But going back to what he said earlier, you know, I, I wanted him to say because you know, he's in the second lecture. He's like, well, you know, the Christian, you know, they enforced, uh, you know, laws against homosexuality and divorce and and so forth. And I, again, going back, I was waiting for um, how about the laws against theft? I would want to ask Doctor Godfrey. Laws against theft, coercive or persuasive? Right. Is, is that all we have? Yeah. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you shouldn't do that. I right. mean, does he want Santa Claus for, for, uh, for, for a god here? Right. Yeah. And, and he, he is all about coercion, as you pointed out, Chris. Because oh, when I was man. talking to Chris about this before, Chris, Chris was telling me, he's like, hey, in the lecture, he talks about how great it was when the principal picked up one of the students and ran him against the wall. And he was talking about how, how great that was. Wait, I thought we weren't about coercion around here. And here you are celebrating violence to students. Are you kidding me? This is so this you know is so hypocritical. This says to, to to Chris's earlier point, this says more about the state of the Reformed Church yeah. than it does about Dr. Godfrey. Yes, it does. Yeah. Amen. All yeah, right. that, that really gets at the heart of it, really. I, I think this is like a Westminster West versus Westminster East thing, hmm. you know? The, the presuppositionalist uh, worldview compared to the, the classical. And then you've got, you've got the Meredith Klein and Michael Horton, Bob Godfreys, who come from that, uh, that framework of thinking about Reformed theology, which is more Lutheran than anything. And then you've got the one that we espouse. <laughs> and and you, see where, you see where they lead. Yeah, yeah, you I, really do, Luke. I I couldn't help but think I was listening to this. How um, you, you know how you, you kids were growing up, right? I would talk about the fact and uh, th- that the reason why the world is not Christianized is because uh, in Christian circles there's an acute shortage of hot chocolate, coffee, and donuts. If we just had enough hot chocolate, coffee, and donuts and pass them out, maybe with an occasional spaghetti dinner, we could totally convert the world because we would—they would know how what, what wonderful people we are. Mm-hmm. I, that was behind what Godfrey was saying. Yeah, right. persuasion. Right. Yeah, persuasion. The good old days when we could just yeah. persuade people and not coerce them into, into Christianity, right. which which is part of his, his, his entire show, which is completely confusing. Isn't it wonderful that we're not going to have coercion anymore? Now we're going to have persuasion. Mm-hmm. Well, I would want to know how the Emperor Valentinian in 374 
outlaws child abandonment. Mm-hmm. Was, was that through persuasion or coercion? Mm-hmm. And once he does outlaw child abandonment in 374 AD, is that now a problem because it's coercive because you're not allowed to abandon your baby outside the walls or toss him in the water anymore? Uh, right. Is that a good thing? That, that <sighs> He did not address. He didn't. He did not say, hey, you know, it's a good thing to have biblical law. I mean, he couldn't, those no, words could not that. come no, out no, of his no, mouth. No, so, okay, no, I, I, no. Need to, I need to cite some of this stuff. I mean, I, I appreciate all the commentary and, and, and yeah, right, keep, keep, keep it coming. But here, here's what Godfrey said. I'm gonna, this is going to be on the screen if you're watching. This is uh, quote one there. What do I mean when I say Christendom? I don't mean Christianity. Christianity is the religion that we find in the Bible. But in Western, Western history... And there's the only time he says Bible. Yeah, yeah he might is. have said it a few more times, but, but, but I get your point. But in Western, Western history, there emerged a movement that came to be known as Christendom. This was expressive of this idea that Christ was ruling in the West, I guess just in the West. It, it, it isn't just that Christ has introduced a religion that's true, Christianity, it's that religion is now receiving cultural and legal support from the government. It began to happen in the days of Constantine the Great in the early 4th century. He first legalized Christianity in the West. Okay, so he's setting this framework for his whole talk that Christendom is the legal government establishment of Christianity. Just track with me here. He said more. I want to get these quotes on here because I want to cite exactly what he said. He said, Constantine granted legalization to Christianity, but a later emperor, Theodosius the Great, made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire and gradually made it more and more difficult to be a member of any other religion. And so Christianity came to be established. It came to be the legal religion. It had wide popular support because people had followed the lead of the emperor into the church, and the emperor then granted more and more privileges and more and more support to Christianity. And this thing, Christendom, came into existence, not just the Christian religion, but now a whole religious establishment supported by the state with extensive power. And that new reality in the West had huge staying power. It lasted at least 1,100 years. Church and state walked closely together for 1,100 years. Christians became used to being the dominant point of view, the dominant power, having strong support from the state. All right, that's from the beginning of part one of his talk. Now, it seems to me, again, tell me what you think, guys, that Godfrey's view of Christendom is essentially a state church enforcing the Christian religion even down to personal beliefs. And the reason that I say that, especially in his rhetoric, I don't have the clip now, but in part two, he said, Jesus never went around and said, believe this or I'm going to lock you up. And that, that, that's his rhetoric that he's putting forth to his audience. And that's, he's, he's juxtaposing that with what he's calling Christendom. And so in his mind, Christendom is basically establishmentarianism. The government says, you go to this church, you believe this. If you don't, we're going to punish you. Now, did that happen in history? Yeah, at some points. I mean, we can look at the, uh, the nonconformists, people like John Owen or John Bunyan in England. I mean, but were they part of Christendom? I mean, they, they, they opposed. That, that was never asked or answered, that, right. that, that point. Well, and because his, his definition of Christendom, I think, is very flawed. I want to read, this is a D. James Kennedy from 1994. This is his definition of Christendom, and I don't agree with everything in this book, but just see the contrast here between them, and then I want us to maybe put forward what we think, how we should define Christendom. But Kennedy says, in times past, Christendom was comprised of those people living in Christian territories. Today, Christendom is comprised of true Christians and those professing Christians who have never experienced the saving grace of Christ. Many members of Christendom have lived lives that were totally unworthy of the name of Christ, or the name Christian. Okay, so Kennedy's saying, yeah, I mean, that's a very simple definition, but his point is, in the world today, 
Christendom is, is kind of the, the manifestation, or you have, you have these people that claim Christ and, and what they're doing in the world. And he's saying, look, some of them throughout history have claimed to be Christian and done things that are not biblical. But according to Kennedy's definition, you can never say Christendom ends, because there's always going to be Christians in the world, and until the end, there'll always be the wheat and the tares. There'll be people that say they're Christian and do things that are not Christian. But Godfrey's definition can't be that, because Godfrey says Christendom has ended. So in, in Godfrey's definition, it seems that this is establishmentarianism. It's the epitome of Christendom. It's coercion. It's a huge state government saying, you have to believe this or I'm going to lock you up. I mean, I want to give a, another definition of Christendom. Anything you guys want to add to that? His definition of Christendom. For, for, for me, his definition, you know what I, I noticed throughout this? He would, he would talk about Christendom, and he would consistently go to Roman Catholicism. I don't know if you've noticed yeah, that or not. Right. It was extremely yeah. consistent. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and I did have, maybe we'll get more to that in part two. I mean, is, is he Reformed or is he Roman Catholic? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's what I told Travis. I said, okay, well, maybe we could look, you know, we could, talk, we could get into parts of the history in the early church and, and what was going on in Rome. But we're 500 years past the Reformation, and this is Dr. Godfrey of Legionnaire Ministries, and he's using the Pope as an example of Christendom today. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, did, he did it more than once. And I'm just thinking, what, the, that's the, he's anti-Christ. That's the whole Reformed tradition. So, right, right. Um, th- this is just one definition of Christendom, I think. I mean, I think Kennedy's is better than Godfrey's, um, because Godfrey's, you can, you can morph it however you want. And uh, I, I would say Christendom... And this is kind of what Kennedy is getting at. It's the visible manifestation or the visible reign of Christ over all the earth, being evident in every sphere of life. Okay, it's, it's families, churches, societies, governments operating according to Christ and his law word. That's Christendom. And that's, now you could argue, that's, did that happen? Is that coming to an end? But his definition of Christendom, that's not his definition of Christendom. His definition of Christendom is basically, it's murky, but if you get down to it, and the way you really know what he's talking about is when he makes these illustrations and examples and saying, well, Jesus never said, believe this, or I'll lock you in prison, which, which that's indicates his definition that, of Christendom. Which indicates he's a bad communicator, because we never know what he's talking about. You know, wh- Where does Christendom start and end in his book? And he never says. And his whole talk is about Christendom. And you should start off the talk saying, okay, this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about Christendom. Starts here, ends here, and that's exactly what I'm talking well, he about. He does but, say but, it, it ended in 2015 with a Bergefell. He does say that. What ended in 2015? Christendom. What? Right. That, what? That, that, let's critique that. That's what I want to critique right now, specifically, and, and we'll maybe be all over the place with these notes. And I can't believe he said that, too. Who, you said to me, that? What, how about 1973, Roe versus Wade? Yeah, Roe versus Wade. That's what you were saying. Yeah, Roe v. Wade. <laughs> that, isn't that more horrific than, than, than gay marriage? But that, that's another indication that of how much peace we've made with, with abortion in the church, right. that he would say something like that. So yeah, so get this, the, the, the key thing here with his definition is that sometimes in his talk, it's establishmentarianism, it's coercion, it's if you don't believe this, if you don't believe, if you don't believe this, we'll lock you up. Yeah. Now again, he didn't, he didn't address that there has to be coercion, because later he's going to talk about, well, you know, the state should, inf- I don't know if he used justice, but he's like, you know, there's some common sense things the state should do. Let's get all these drug addicts off the street. And I'm like, well. How is that not coercion? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so he, he, right. he never addresses right. uh, that, hey, coercion is inevitable when it comes to law. 
his point is he, he, he makes Christendom establishmentarianism, but then at other times, it's kind of the general influence of, of Christianity. Mm-hmm, right. And I'm like, okay, which one is yeah, it? Because right, those right. are two different things. Because when you make it establishmentarianism, it's a nice way to toss out Christendom. Mm-hmm, because yeah. nobody likes the fact that the church would, you know, the state would be married to the church and say, if you don't believe this, we're going to lock you up. I mean, so right. it's very easy if you paint Christendom like that to then dismiss it. So, yeah, I, I took a note from around the eight-minute mark of the first lecture. Okay. And there he says that, uh, I don't know if he's defining Christendom, but he says, in the Western civilization, the rule of Christ over all society. And then he also says cultural and legal support of Christianity. Hmm. So that was why it was a little bit difficult, because you have that being thrown out there, and then you have all this talk of coercion. So, you know, that's why it was a little bit difficult to understand where he was coming from at first. Yeah. And it shouldn't be difficult. I it mean, shouldn't. Ha- no. We're having a lecture on the end of Christendom. We should be able to really figure out by the end of it what it is. And right. yeah, You know, it's, it's a little it's bit. It's a moving target. It, it, it is. And it goes back to that, that th- you know, when you speak, you will either make things more clear mm-hmm. or more cloudy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And by the time we're done, it's cloudy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I, I hope you get someone on here to defend this, Nebulous. Chris. Yes, come in, Doctor Godfrey, or I, I really Pastor hope Godfrey you did. Jr. Yeah, what is Christendom after all? And he, even in, in this quote here, um, made the Christianity. This is Theodosius, the official religion of the Roman Empire, and gradually made it more and more difficult to be a member of any other religion. And so Christianity came to be established, establishmentarianism. Even I would say from his, you know, from his own lecture. Yeah, well, I have a clip I want to play then that he's something he said at least eight years earlier that, that contradicts what he's saying here. But first, okay, should should there be a state church? Is this good or not? I, I say no. I mean, he's going to talk about Kuiper later. I, I'm not get into it today, but I don't think he really gives Kuiper, you know, he, does, he presents him well. But is, is Christ, is when the state coerced belief, if, you know, in the Church of the Church of England was the official religion and Bunyan and Owen and these guys say, well, no, we're not going there. Was that good? Was that Christ exercising his lordship uh, and them obeying Christ when the state said, you have to go to this church? I say no, that that's not biblical. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is that an extension of, of Christ's dominion? No, that was people disobeying Christ. So Godfrey's equating Christendom with the legal establishment of a church or religion, and I don't think any of us here would define Christendom like that, right? Kennedy certainly didn't. Mm-hmm. So he's mm-hmm. creating this definition of Christendom that suits his interests because now he can easily dismiss Christendom because nobody's going to disagree with him, and that's why some of the, one of the question and answer, one of, the, one of the guys was like, well, I didn't know where this was going, but then when I heard you talk, I was like, okay. And it's sort of like, well, yeah, I can't disagree with you. If, if, you're, if Christendom is that then yeah, I, I guess I should end. And that's, that's, that's the force of his argument. Um, so I don't think any of us would define Christendom or should define Christendom as establishmentarianism. In fact, I'd say that was a small hiccup in Christendom. Right? Mm-hmm. He says that you know, Christendom ca- came to an end starting with the Reformation. I would say that was, that was moving forward. Yeah, right. And I think it might have been yeah. Kuiper who said that Calvinism never had the, the opportunity yet to really be applied in the political sphere. Mm-hmm. You had it applied, you know, the Reformed theology, Calvinism, in, in the theological sphere, but then the Enlightenment and other things derailed it, and so we still have yet to see Kuiper's vision and Calvinism applied in the civil sphere. True, you know, a great yeah. expression of Christendom. It hasn't happened. Yeah. Right. I, I, my question is, you know, Calvin's Geneva, was that Christendom? 
You know, was that a furtherance of Christendom and 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 an, and an understanding of 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 peace and prosperity and social order? You know, if if Christendom is is coming to to an end, um, his idea of Christendom, then what was Calvin doing? Was 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 that not? Is he going to say that that Calvin was not doing Christendom in Geneva? That's what I want to know. Calvin and those cats out there were they doing Christendom? Yes or no? Because it goes against everything. All the problems. And what they were doing in Geneva, it goes against all the problems that he had with, 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 with Christendom. But, but um, it, it doesn't seem to fit his definition of establishmentarianism, of what they were doing in Geneva. Because, uh, I mean, from, uh, from what I understand in Geneva, it was a very prosperous place. They took in lots of Im- immigrants. They weren't forcing people to become Christians, um, from what I understand. They weren't arresting people. Hey, you're not a Christian. Get them. You know, so what, what was that? Was that Christendom? Because that affected the entire country. That infected the entire all of Europe. What Calvin was doing in Geneva. So I want to know what what was that? It, you know, according to his definition, that's not Christendom. Well, then what was it? Just Christianity? That's what I want to know. Christendom is merely the Christianity's influence on a society. That's all Christendom is. Right. That's I think a good definition in a nutshell. And yeah. that, you know, Christendom is... That's the, how it can be measured. You can measure Christendom by how strong inf- Christianity's influences on the people, the 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 culture, the society, the and the institutions, the laws, the laws, laws yeah. yeah, all that stuff. That was totally missed. I mean, he at some point said Christendom influenced the art. I'm saying, yeah, wait a minute, early, yeah. wait a minute. The Christianity, Christ influenced that. The art and the culture would be the Christendom. Right. That's where everything yes. is mixed up. He's like, right. Christendom has influenced right. art. And it's yeah, like, wait a minute. What, yeah. I thought your definition of Christendom was establishmentarianism and coercion. It's a moving so, target, so man. We're, jump, saying we're jumping off, man. We're jumping on and art? jumping off. Yeah, yeah, right. Somebody said, I want good art around here, said Theodosius. <laughs> By George, you, 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 and you. Give me some good art. Oh, my word. I think it's hilarious that, it, that, he, that he had to say <laughs> that the two, the two emperors he, that he mentions here, you know. Constantine Theodosius. Yeah. And they're both followed by what? Constantine the great theodosius the great did 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 you read that hang on uh, underline it and circle it why do you think they were called the great both of them here's our problems there's these two kings called the great they started christendom are you kidding me you're alfred the great alfred the great you know uh but but (laughs) the two people he cites is like you know the beginning christendom they're both called the great and 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 Dr. Godfrey, I know you didn't call him that. Somebody else did. So who called him that? All right, I want to play this clip from this is from the first talk. This is where he's talking about the, the coronation of King Charles. And he says this is the last gasp of Christendom. So listen to this. Now, being a deeply cynical person myself, as I listen to this, two thousand people there in the cathedral listening to the king. I thought to myself, I wonder if there's one single person in this building who actually hopes that he'll uphold the Protestant Reformed religion. Probably not. But it's the last kind of gasp of Christendom where the church and the state were expected to march together in the defense of what would have been called Christian civilization in defense of Christendom. But Christendom, I'm going to argue as we go along, has really come to an end, certainly in America. 
And it's probably come to an end more slowly in America than it came to an end in most places in Europe. I would say the beginning of the end of Christendom was the Protestant Reformation. All right, so the beginning of the end of Christendom is the Protestant Reformation. Now that somewhat makes sense with his definition of Christendom as establishmentarianism, I guess. You could say that in, in the Reformation, the people rejected and protested against the Roman Catholic Church, which was, at that point, very closely united to the state, right? And, and then you have this, you know, these struggles, and then the Church of England is established, and the nonconformists there, and the Puritans, and the separatists, and to him, all that is Christendom, Christendom is, is establishment. I just can't stress that enough. If, if you're listening and you watched his talk, and again, that proves the point. If he's saying it ended with the Reformation, it's establishmentarianism. Because, you know, what didn't end with the Reformation was the influence of Christianity on society. Yeah, right? see, see, I wonder, is Christian civilization for him a good thing or a bad thing? Right. I, 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 I don't know. And again, what is what would Christian civilization be? In his mind, what he's saying is we're going to force, they were saying we're going to force you to be a Christian. And what we would say is Christian civilization is justice and righteousness in society according to Christ and his word. Where does he think justice and righteousness is coming from if it doesn't come from Christ? Right. Um, so, uh, One thing, too. Uh, he, he, Kuiper. He mentions Kuiper. I, I wonder if, I wonder if um, of course, he's gonna, not going to agree everything that Kuiper says. But when, you, when you're framing things and something you can't disagree with, here's something from Kuiper that I would hope Godfrey would ultimately agree with without qualification, but according to this, he can't. Here's Kuiper. In response to sin, God sent his son to redeem his imagers and restore his good creation. We have a problem there already, right? Restore, right? Everything's getting worse and worse. He has given his son, going back to Kuiper, he has given his son all authority in heaven and on earth. Christ is Lord over all creation and therefore Lord over every sphere of culture. Sounds like Christendom to me. Right. That, that's my question to Dr. Godfrey. And, and to your point, Travis, a lot of this first talk was like, okay, I mean, he's just given us a history lesson. It's like, yeah, well, yeah, we know that that, that happened in the Reformation. We know that there was at points coercion if you will uh, we know that there's you know now sodomy parades in the street uh yeah we, we know those things dr godfrey thanks for pointing them out but what he doesn't do is address the fact that there is i mean he maybe hints at this but then he never when i think he's talking about kuiper there is a religion now in america mm -hmm. that is influencing all the laws there is a religion now that is leading to the transformation of the institutions and it's not Christianity. So what, what Dr. God, if Dr. Garfrey could have said this, I think it would have been very helpful to his listeners. He could have said, Hey, here's what happened. You know, here's a historical, you had this and that, and here's where we're at now. And now we have sodomy in the streets and transgenderism and abortion. You know what we should want and pray for. This is what I wish Dr. Godfrey would have said. We should want and pray for and be aiming for and be proclaiming and charging and calling on the kings of the earth, presidents, czars, whatever, to kiss the sun and honor Christ in the public square and follow his law. He did not say that because that would completely just implode everything he's saying. And that's where I think that this was a huge failure because all he does in the end is say, you know what? We don't have state churches anymore. We're like, yeah, we know. Okay, so now what? What should we want? 
what should the what should things look like? And that to me is a well, big failure. And I took a note somewhere around the the end of the clip you just played. I I took this note as well. He said, "If we're not held together as a civilization by one church and one emperor, what will hold us together?" It was a question, which is a great question. What is going to hold us together? And to your point, Chris, uh, can can we all submit to Christ? Is that, that might there? There's a unifying point. Maybe that would be a unifying point. And you know, I think unwittingly. I mean, I would assume he knows what Kuiper was all about. Um, I kind of agreed with his point, and I think this was in the second lecture that we should learn some things from Kuiper. Amen. Yeah, I don't think I would we agree with from that, Doctor Godfrey. But <laughs> I, I'm kind of puzzled as to why he pointed to Kuiper, because it seems like Kuiper would be diametrically opposed to what he's pushing. Yeah, another quote from Kuiper. God's creation is a unified diversity, an ordered but multifaceted reality. In particular, God designed the world to have diverse cultural spheres, such as family life, art, science, church, and business. Each sphere is unique and has God-given principles upon which it is founded. Christians must, oh, there's coercion, I guess, right? Christians must locate these principle, those principles and conform their cultural activities to them. Again, Christendom or or what? Yeah, yeah. I, I want to share some more quotes from him to give you guys more stuff to interact with. Um, he he. I want. He talks about American history. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is on page four of your notes, text uh, number quote six. He says, "Now, in theory, our Constitution said there would be no established church. This was a huge mistake. I think this is a joke he's saying here. This was a huge mistake, reflecting that George Washington didn't really know about being Dutch Reformed." No, the founders of America had experienced the domination of a single denomination, and they didn't want that. But even though there was no established church in America, there was a pretty established religion in America. It was Christianity. Even more than that, it was really Protestantism. Jews who moved to America knew this was a Protestant country. The Catholics who moved to America, they discovered they needed to build Roman Catholic schools because the public schools were Protestant schools. So what? what, his definition of Christendom just changed that... It's not an established church. It's established religion, but not by law. So what yeah, is he where, talking where about? What, what is he talking about? This goes to the point that there is. it's inevitable that any society is going to have, in this sense, an established religion in the sense that some worldview is going to dictate right. the laws of the culture, the, the, the mores of the culture, <coughs> the practices of the culture. And why can't he just say, you know what? We need Christianity to influence the laws of this nation. I was I was really happy that he said that because said it, what that this what you just quoted here okay that in America at the founding there was a pretty established religion Christianity and even more specifically Protestantism uh, because I think it's kind of hard to get certain Reformed theologians to agree with that point um, and you know I went to public school. So I'm, I'm still in uh, rehabilitation for mm-hmm. that. Um, Recovering. Yeah. So I, I was taught in public school growing up that there wasn't really any established religion in America at the founding. They were all deists and, you know, it was just neutral. Everything was neutral. Uh, but I was really happy to hear that Dr. Godfrey agrees with that perspective, that America really started as a Christian nation. And... You know, as a Protestant Christian nation. Exactly. Frankly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, the question is, and I don't know if he got to this or not, but was that a good thing or not? Mm-hmm. No, he never gets to that. No. Was it a good thing that William Penn came over and said, let's have religious freedom around here, and mm-hmm. by the way, you're going to be arrested if you commit homosexual acts. There's going to be a penalty for blasphemy. Mm-hmm. Like, where, where does that fall into right. Christendom? Because that's not a state church. That's William Penn saying, hey, we need some laws around here. And I'm not going to turn to natural law. Mm-hmm. I'm going to turn to the Bible. Now, I don't think he did it perfectly, but that was Penn's idea. And Godfrey just does not interact with that. No. Can you have a situation where you don't have a state church, and yet you say, you know what, our laws need to be biblical? Mm-hmm. Well, this is, a, this is a common problem with historians, is that they like to talk about history, and they'll, a lot of times they'll, they'll lead you right up to the point but then they don't actually apply that point mm-hmm. uh, yeah. because they like to stay off in history. They don't want to bring it to the relevance of now. Um, but I think that it's it's interesting to me that he came to a lot of the right conclusions on some of these things, like this quote we just read. But then, you know, and then to say we need to look to Kuiper, you know, all of these things. It's like, well, you need to follow your own advice here. Can we can we take the next step and say, well, what should we be doing now? Mm-hmm. Because there was really no help in that way. If you were listening to the, to the whole lecture series, there was really no help in that way. No. And it ended up that he, instead of taking these these ideas here and saying, okay, well, let's try to apply that now. Yeah. It never really happened. Did you see in the Q and A he he never went to the Bible? And uh, you know, well, the, he did. He did say that he disagrees with postmillennialism because you can't see that in scripture. Well, yeah, I I understand that, um, but he still didn't use the Bible. He just said, yeah, "I don't see right. it in scripture." That's not how I interpret it. Um, that 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 that's he not never good used enough. it positively. He never used yeah. it positively. Right. He never stood on the authority of scripture. When when the lady was asking, you know, he he his solution to everything when because in the Q and A when he told people what to do, he never said, "Thus saith the Lord." He never said, go back to the scriptures. That's where the answers are. You know, and, and you don't really need to say, like, it's word it that way. But, man, you need to, like, act like you believe that. Because this whole time, I feel like you don't believe that. Because he kept saying to the one lady, we, she's like, what do I do? I got, I got, I got you know, grandkids, and I'm concerned about what, what do we do about the future? Get them into church. Oh, oh you, mean, you mean your church. You just want, bo- you want butts in the seats. Oh, get them into church. Great. And, uh, and that's what he said. And then he said, we need to tell them the truth, and then we need to be honest. None of them biblical answers. Thanks for nothing. A terrible uh, application, and frankly, no application. Could have got the same from a uh, from a Roman Catholic. But by the well, way, I, mean, I think those things are true. Yeah, but, we need to tell them the truth. But yes, that's true. But, but outside of a biblical framework, it's useless right. and worthless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, here, here's the that way. Uh, tell them the truth. Oh, let, let me let me get my pen out for that one. Can we go over that one? Tell them the truth. How do you spell uh, truth? What in the world? I I came this conference and learned to tell my kids the truth. Now that now there's a newsflash we need for to you. tell them this the is truth. yeah what he and this truth. is what he means by that yeah. tell him every single bad tell your kids every single bad thing about christianity and christendom but don't ever tell them the positive things that's what he means you got to tell them the truth because bad things happen in christianity and we're not telling your kids or, or christendom oh christendom oh yeah. dude are, are you kidding me and what, what is this where is this guy getting off saying that christendom is is has has ended yeah maybe in america but have you guys seen the president of el salvador right lately let me read you a quote from the president of el salvador 
Everything that happened during the, this was in Spanish. This is the English translation. Everything that happened during those years was done with the backing, financing, con consent, and imposition of those who have always called themselves great defenders of human rights and democratic institutionality. Instead of giving us medicine to heal, they were giving us poison. They wanted us to continue doing the same things that they were done in the past. They wanted the same people who had plundered and massacred us to continue gov governing us, or at least sharing power. But this time we said no. We rejected the poison, and for the first time, we tasted our own medicine. Thank God it worked. The first thing we did was to make sure we were on the side of God and the people because no worthwhile transformation can be accomplished by obeying external powers. Christendom, yes or no? Is that Christendom to you? That's what I want to know. Well, I don't know. I didn't hear Christ mentioned at all. He what does, does he mean by God? Like, I don't know what's going on in El Salvador. I mean, he does talk about uh, uh, God a, a lot. I think he's Roman Catholic. And, 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 and according to his definition, right. that's Christendom because, it's being, because that's the president. So it is Christianity being enforced by the state. Yeah, according to Godfrey, that that would be that would be Christendom. That's his. That's not even mine. That's his. Right, that's, that's his, his definition, definition of Christendom, and right. that's the one we've all moved on from. But it's going on in El Salvador right now. So so uh, so I mean, not only we're biblically ignorant, we're theologically ignorant, and now we're historically ignorant. All right. Speaking of, there's there's so much here. I want I want to play this. Speaking of, you want something you want to add? I, I, to add to that? I I, I want to talk about a, a, an extreme danger here. And it, it seems as if he does not want Christian nations, and and that that, might that, be the real target here. Christian I, I, I think that's what it, which which is. I, I I thought that when he got to a second point about Christian nationals, I couldn't help but think about that. Could that be his real target here the whole time? Yeah. I, I don't know, but there's something dangerous here, and, and you know we're not we're not just talking about uh, some other ideas. Richard Weaver ideas have consequences. We're not just this is not a tempest in a teapot here. He, listen to what Paul says, and he's made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. God has done this, boundaries, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope after him. Now, there is Paul connecting boundaries of nations with seeking the Lord. What is Paul talking about? I want to introduce an idea here based off of his, his the, the quote here. The Catholics who moved to America, they discovered they need to build Roman Catholic schools because the public schools were Protestant schools. And it says, he says the same thing. Jews who moved to America knew that this was a Protestant country. All right. I want to know something here. Why would Roman Catholics, who pretty much owned a couple of pretty prominent countries in Europe. Good question. Spain. Well, three. Spain, Portugal, France. Mm-hmm. Why would they move to America? Mm -hmm. Why would Jews move to America? Why would anyone move to America? Mm -hmm. This Protestant country with all its Christendom. Mm -hmm. Coercion. And yeah. coercion. Why yeah. would they do that? And arrogance. This is our country. Yeah, yeah. We need to ask that question. We need to say, you know what? Muslims today, where do they go? I was talking to a, 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 a missionary who wants to go to Turkey. And he was talking about the fact that when Muslims leave a Muslim country, they don't go to another Muslim country. They go to a historically Christian country, be, be it Protestant or, or Roman Catholic. Why? It is time to ask that question. Why? Why would you leave a, the, your religion and go to Protestant or even Roman Catholic Christianity? That is a statement with what Paul said is true, that we have these boundaries and not this hodgepodge of UN nonsense, which Godfrey doesn't seem to have a problem with because he never really addresses that question. 
you you are Godfrey is abandoning what Paul is saying here, and and, and he's not asking a question. Well, why did they come over here then? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's. It, it shouldn't be shocking to me, but it but it kind of is. But this is the state of Reformed Christianity. We're not asking that question. Why would they come here? I think it. You know, I was as I was uh, reflecting on this discussion before we got here this morning. I was asking myself why this is so important to me. You know, the, and and really, I think you're right that the thing that is under discussion here is Christian nationalism. That's the thing that's under discussion. Yeah, and it's, a vague target yeah, out there in the yeah. distance. He just dismisses it in the in the end of the second talk, and somebody in the Q&A even asks him, well, what about this idea out there of Christendom 2.0? What do you do with that? And he never really addressed that either. Um, I mean, uh, the person was like, I don't want to name any names. Everybody knows who he's talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Why can't we just name names, people? Um but Time to me, it's important because I don't want to have to flee my country like the Muslims are doing and like people have historically done to come to America. I want my society, my county here in Lancaster to be a place where my children, my grandchildren and so forth can live quiet and peaceable lives. Mm-hmm. That's why this is important. Yeah. And we have so many people Amen. in the Reformed circles who are fighting against this idea of Christian nationalism, which is embedded in Calvinism, I would say. And better in the Bible, all the nations well, shall yes, serve the Lord. I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. But I'm saying from our own perspective, you know, from Reformed perspective and interpretation of Scripture, we should come to this conclusion, and we should be fighting for... And working toward the uh, this idea of Christendom, we need to be creating and building culture for our families, our communities. That's why this is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's we don't want to we don't want to abandon our society to paganism, which is what has happened. Mm-hmm. And, so, and that's something when you were talking, Luke. And I, I, I'm going to try to find the quote. I don't have this one, but it, it did seem like saying, "Look, the most important thing is to get people in church." Mm-hmm. And it's just something you've brought up many times that we that what about the injustice that's happening mm-hmm. what about the shedding of innocent blood what what does god do he says i don't care about your ceremonies mm-hmm. you have innocent you are shedding innocent blood i mean dr godfrey should be saying look yes we should be in church yes we should have the right theology but you know what if we're doing nothing while babies are being butchered and i know he opposes abortion but like that's not an incidental thing hey the most important thing just be in church like you're missing the point to Travis's point. You quoted scripture there. We want peaceable lot. We want to be able to live quiet and peaceable lives. And you've talked about that before, Joel. That that's a prayer regarding the leaders for us, so that we so that they would enforce justice, so we could live peaceably. Mm-hmm. And that's completely missing here. There's so much here. We, we get, let's try to get into some more. I want to play this quote. You talked about history, and um, I, I think one of the things here. I found a quote from at least eight years prior to this. Which to me was very interesting. So in this whole talk, you know, this was this was this month in November, this end of Christendom thing that Doctor Godfrey did, and his whole thing is: look, Christendom started with Theodosius, right, three three ninety ish, all right, and it lasted for at least eleven hundred years. That brings you up to roughly the time of the Reformation, and he's like. That was coercion. It started with Theodosius and Constantine, and it's been coercion since. I found this clip from eight years earlier, and he says something completely different, completely different. So listen to this clip. Listen to what he says here about when coercion started in history. And I think this goes to your point, Travis, 
that this is a this is really a a subtle attack on Christian nationalism. Now we have a lot of issues with some you know presentations of Christian nationalism. We've talked about that before. But the simple premise, to your point, Travis, that the nation in all its institutions should honor Christ and follow God's law. That's that's what I'm talking about here with Christian nationalism, and that's what you're talking about, I believe. And so, yeah. if I, I, this to me, Godfrey would not, Doctor Godfrey would not have said what he said in this sem- this uh, conference in 2015 when I play this clip because he didn't need to because at that point Christian nationalism and postmillennialism and theonomy I think it was kind of like okay we dealt with that like we're, we're good you know we got this he wrote the book on that right technically yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> he addressed that that's over uh, you know now we can just kind of let the state do its thing and we'll do you know we'll kind of have a voice that was kind of his conclusion in the end Kuiper says what Kuiper wants us to do is just have a voice that's all. Have a seat at the table. <laughs> and we can just have a seat at the table. But listen to what Godfrey said. This was, this was posted in 2015, so it's at least that old. And just, I know you may not have listened to this talk, but I hope we've shared some quotes here. That Dr. Godfrey said this month that, you know what, Christendom, Christendom the main issue is coercion. It's been going on for 1,100 years, from 390-ish with Theodosius to the Reformation. Listen to what he said in 2015. The Crusades are a radical break with anything that had happened in Christian history up till that point. Up until that point, Christians had gone to war, but Christians had always gone to war in support of the state to pursue some political objective. They may have felt that their state was a Christian state and that therefore in going to war for the state, they were doing something that was good in the eyes of God. But They had never gone to war for the church. They had always, in fact, believed that part of the separation of church and state was that the state was given power by God to protect uh, the nation and to promote peace, uh, whereas the church had a spiritual mission on earth. But with the coming of the crusading ideal in Europe, that idea began to change. And Christians began to think that it was legitimate to use force to advance the church and the cause of Christ, not just to protect and to defend the state. I listened to that and I said, what? Dr. Godfrey said that this idea, the separation of church and state was this bastion of thought from 396 to 1090, you know, 1090 when the, the first crusade happened. That's what he said. He said this was a radical break from anything that came before. Before the Crusades, you know, the church had this, the Christians had this idea of the separation of church and state. That's not what he said in this conference. No, it's not. Like this is totally different because now it's, I I submit that it suits his ends Mm -hmm. to paint history different now because now he wants to show, hey, you know what, from the beginning, you know, all of of Christian history basically has been coercion. It was never a good idea. It was never good. And And in this talk, he says, you know what, up until the Crusades, they had this idea of the separation of church and state. The state is over here to protect the nation and promote peace, right? You got to get bring justice in there by what standard? And the church was over here to, to try to bring forth, uh, put forward their religious views. And you know what? It was a radical break with the Crusades because then Christians started to think, you know what? We can use force to uh, promote the church. Is that not radically different than what his, his whole talk on the end of Christendom was? Well, I mean, I know that if you were to listen to something I said 10 years ago it would probably be different so i i want to be charitable there however but this is a historian this yeah. is, this guy is a historian and what this was not a slip of the tongue he said the crusades was a radical break 
from mm-hmm. anything that came before. And before that, they had this idea of the separation of church and state. Can you imagine if he said that at this conference? Hey, guys, you know, Christendom, for the first, uh, you know, 700 years, they, they were all about the separation of church and state. Uh, they did not want coercion. And then along come the Crusades, and it's a radical break from that. And now they're all about coercion. I'm not going to give him the benefit of doubt on this one, Travis, because mm-hmm. this guy is a historian. Mm-hmm. And, I agree with you. Yeah. I'm just saying that, you know, we do, our, our understanding does develop over time. I'm willing to concede that. However, he is a historian, so you would think that that would be that's a pretty large uh, period of history that you, years. yeah that you study. So it is interesting. <laughs> it is interesting that that he has that perspective now, and I think that you know our our understanding of things does change due to the situations that we are in. Um, you know, like Rosaria Butterfield just recently had a change of, of perspective on things in her newest book that changed from one of her earlier ones with how she interacts with uh, the LGBTQ community and using pronouns and all that kind of stuff. And she said on an interview on uh, World Podcast that the things that are happening in culture forced her to deal with that issue in a new way. So... Maybe that's what's happening with Dr. Godfrey. Well, I think it's definitely he's seeing. Yeah, I think, oh, there's this rise in Christian nationalism and all the, you know all these debates that are happening right now, and he's trying to say, you know what, I don't like this. Right, I don't like where this is going. Maybe that's what's caused him to change his perspective. Oh, that, on that's his what I'm saying. Of history. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that's the problem. Right. He in 2015, if this guy's a historian, he's given us the the facts. You know, hey, here's here here was what was happening then. And now he's changing that because, I believe, because back then in 2015, whenever that was, it, it, seems, it almost seems like Dr. Godfrey didn't want to dismiss all that history. Because you know what? There's a lot of good there. There was a lot of good that happened with the, with the advance mm-hmm. of Christianity and culture. And so yeah. if, if he didn't want to say then, you know what? From the beginning, Christianity was all about coercion. Uh, Christendom was about coercion. He has to deal with it with the Crusades. Because, yes, there were things that were done, and we're not going to get into all that, in the name of Christ that were wrong. We could pick out those things. But in 2015 or, or earlier, he wanted to hold on to Christendom prior to that. And so he says they were about the separation of church and state. It was not about coercion. But then the Crusades came, and, and that's when this started. And I just think that's, from a historical perspective, like, there's a, that's a huge difference. Yeah, let me huge see if difference. I can, an illustration here, and you use a, a game I, I love to play. I wasn't that great at it, but uh, don't love to watch, and that's soccer. Um, you know, a, a, a big a big score is two to one. Ninety minutes later, it's two to one. <laughs> but anyway, okay, ripping soccer here a little bit. Hockey too. Uh, you're a hockey fan. That's, that's, that's true. Hockey. Hockey's like a, it, 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 that. That's true. I love to play the game, but I wasn't that great at it. But anyway, it, here, here's a difference, Travis. I think with Ros- Rosaria Butterfield versus uh, Doctor Godfrey. If I'm playing a soccer game and we're, we're 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 doing the short pass thing and it's 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 not working, we might change our view of how to win this game. Let's 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 try the long pass. Let's try to see if we can beat, kick it past the defense, beat them to the ball. Okay, I think that's Rosaria Butterfield. I'm going to respond to this differently. It's different from saying you know what the score at the end of the first half historically was one to nothing. With Doctor Godfrey, it's well the scores change. In, in, in history, in other words, he's going back and saying, "Well, this didn't happen." Mm-hmm. And Rosaria Butterfield is saying, "Well, I'm going to change the way going forward." And I see that as the difference between the two. Hmm. Uh, That's a good point. I want to play a clip before Luke has to leave here. I just thought this was this was hilarious. This was about the disposable income of the government. 
So yeah. I, I, yeah. this is where he's oh, kind of... Oh, that was... I was like, whoa. All right, let's, let's listen to this. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got to play. Just recently, I saw a statistic about how much changed economically in the world in the 19th century. Up until the middle of the 19th century, this historian argued, governments had enough income to support the government and to build a few palaces, to support the government and to support the defense budget, or sometimes the aggression budget. Uh, there was money for government and for military. Governments didn't have any disposable income to, to try to help the poor. People were on, them, on their own. Um, the government didn't have money to build schools, by and large, even. They didn't have money to build hospitals to any significant extent. But in the 19th century, with the Industrial Revolution, all of a sudden, governments had more money than they had ever imagined and were able to think about where should all this money go? <laughs> and this heated up, didn't it? Then debates in society, <laughs> political debates, how high should taxes go on the rich? And how should we help the poor? What can we do for the poor? What institutions should we establish by the poor? It's hard for us to imagine that before the middle of the 19th century, those kinds of questions were not available to governments because they didn't have the money. So we're really in a new world. The reason uh, oh, they didn't word. have the money is because the influence of Christianity had told them the government shouldn't be doing all that stuff. Uh, 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 yeah, right. Uh, all these hand-wringing bureaucrats and governments. Are, oh, we just want to help the poor, but we don't have the money. What is he talking about? What, what is he talking about? Uh, yeah, I know. I know. The, ah! the politicians, they, ah! they, they, they suddenly saw the surplus from, I guess, like the generous oh. heart of people. Now that we got rid of Christendom, we just became all more generous and we just gave more. And then they, and then the politicians said, hey. We have all this money. Where did this come from? What should we do with it, Earl? Uh, I don't know. Let's give it to the poor. Great idea. That's what happened. That's the historical narrative. That's the truth. That's what politicians do. They put it all in a big truck. And then they sent it down to the homeless shelter. And then everybody distributed it among the poor. And there was dancing in the streets. And it was just, oh, it was flowers and cake everywhere. Oh my word! What kind of I, that is the first time I've I've no I don't know if I've ever heard such an ignorant narrative on on the on the on the uh, uh, the theology of of theft and, and the rise of statism and, and the rise of statism. Like they just looked around and said, "Hey, we have all this extra money. What do we do with it?" You know. And then and then uh, um, uh, what's his name? John Lennon came in. Imagine there was no heaven, right? And they started, and and then all the politicians just looked around and said, "We got to use this for the poor." Oh my word, that is so. Oh my word, that is so ignorant. Who who asked this guy to come here? So yeah. before before that, Joel, everybody was His on their son, own. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, it's right. Asked yeah, well, see, that's the thing. And this book right here, right right here, how Christianity changed the world. Uh, Godfrey needs to read it because it, you know these the state this way. We need a hospital. They they dreamed up hospitals. What in the world? No. Alvin Schmidt points out here in this book that hospitals were created by 
Christians. Mm-hmm. And I'm not old enough to remember when most hospitals had Christian names, St. Luke's, right. uh, Good Samaritan, that kind of a thing. They've been changed over now to status-type names for the most part, Upper yes. Penn Medical Center, or Penn State Or they were just shut down. And now the conversations you're having with your yeah, doctor oh, is not they, a conversation with a doctor anymore. Who no, are you talking with? No, yeah, you're you're t- talking with the state. Yeah, that's, that's who he's listening to. Yeah. And, and, and Godfrey thinks, does he really think this? That they were like, oh, we don't have hospitals because the state doesn't have enough money. Mm-hmm. Hey, talking about coercion, but he can't say it mm-hmm. because he can't say anything good about Christianity. He's got Christianity and Christendom so conflated, yeah. he can't say that. Right. He can't say that Christians created hospitals. That that's what a, that, that should ah. that should be a warning. Like you know, remember this is your brain on drugs. You know, I mean, this is your brain on statism. That this is this is this is your brain on statism. That you actually think that the politicians care about the poor, and that they want the money for the poor. That you you really truly think that. I mean. And there was there was no benevolence to the poor before the politicians the, had the money I, I'm to, gonna, to, to help I'm, the poor. I'm what gonna, is he talking I'm, about? I'm going to do something. Embarrassing. I'm, I'm going to. It I'm is speak, shameful. I'm gonna, it's shameful. I'm going to speak in the language of, of of a foreign tongue to this man. But First Corinthians two says this. This is a book called First Corinthians, by the way. It's in the Bible. Uh, I know you referenced it once, but I guess you don't read it that much. But or, or maybe you do read a lot, but you just don't really believe it that much. The things of the Lord are folly to those who are perishing. And that includes love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. It's folly to a politician to do those kinds of things. He doesn't believe it's folly. No, he thinks thinks there's politicians out there outside of Christ who think it's a good idea to have those things. Paul says the opposite. Those things are folly to politicians. The fruit of the Spirit, because he says in 1 Corinthians, for they are spiritually discerned. And what's the fruit of the Spirit? All those things are just listed. So to a politician, to display those things, when push comes to shove, it's folly. And you're promoting this narrative that outside of Christ, that these politicians are walking around thinking that this is a good idea. That's wickedness. That's wrong. And frankly, it's it's heretical. And with that, I I bid you guys all good morning. All right, see you, Luke. We'll see you next time. There'll be plenty more on this. We'll wrap up soon. Good. Yeah, we haven't even done the French Revolution thing yet. Well, yeah, I wanted to get to that because I have a quote here um, around the time of what you just played. Uh, He said, we need to, and he was talking about what they did in the 17th century. They came to this conclusion. We need to go away from special revelation because the churches don't agree and look to natural revelation. So natural law didn't work well either is what he concluded my understanding if i if i got that right right he seemed yes i think so yeah it, he doesn't, doesn't come to any solutions but he does say you know what they rejected this and they tried this that didn't work and then the tyranny and then you get to this and so yeah he's i think we would agree that he says these other things didn't work but then he doesn't have a solution right well i mean it seems like what he's saying here in the quote you just played it seems like he wants to go back and forth there because right. what led to all of this government bloat was natural law reason man you know man-made ideas of how to do all this stuff right instead of what christianity influencing the culture and society and government basically kept the government very limited yeah i mean over the years i just think that was that was very that was embarrassing and people listening to that you know what they might think joel well until the industrial revolution 
man, we just didn't have people caring for orphans. We didn't have hospitals. We didn't have any of this stuff. And you know what gave us that? The government, yeah, yeah. statism. And that's that's just embarrassing because that, I mean, I think that's a, it's it's shameful to to the legacy of, of the church and Christ and what he's done. I mean, you read that book by yeah. Alvin Schmidt. I mean, this- And that's this, not this, the only book either. There's others. Yeah, this, yeah. this radically changed the world. People were not on their own before the government. You know when they were on their own, when paganism- ruled the land, and then Christians came on the scene and started caring for the babies and creating orphanages and hospitals. And then, you know what? There was a witness of, hey, we care for you. It didn't happen in the Industrial Revolution with the you know, government. You know who's on their own right now? The babies. The babies and the kids whose fathers are not standing up for them because the girl who, you know, I, I was just at a banquet and uh, Riley Gaines spoke at it. She was alone. The swimmer, she was the swimmer alone. that was going the up against the swimmer who went up against Leah Thomas, the man, she was alone because, and she said it in her talk. She said, where was the, where were the fathers? Where were the people in charge, the referees to yank him out of the locker room with her and to do the right thing? That's coercion. We can't that's have who that. Alone, that's who's alone nowadays in our society. Right. But that's coercion, Travis. We have to just be persuasive. So you got to go in the locker room and try to persuade Mr. Thomas to get out of the women's locker room. That's the insanity of what... Yeah. Why can't Dr. Godfrey just say, you know what? Coercion, there is a place for coercion, and the Bible tells us what that is. Yeah, and what is not. And what, it and is, what not. is not. Yeah. And, and man, uh, okay, let me, like, I want to share one more quote here, maybe more than one. But he said, so as Christendom comes to an end, we're left confused. We're left uncertain. We're left with no great cultural consensus anymore. When I was a kid, divorce was relatively unknown, not necessarily because everyone was happily married, but because there was great cultural pressure to stay together. There was also great legal pressure to stay together. In the middle of the, ninth, in the, middle of the 20th century in America, it was hard to get a divorce legally. Why was that? Because Christianity had historically said divorce was wrong and Christendom was in effect even in America. I want to know from Dr. Godfrey, was that a good thing or, that, yeah. or a bad thing yeah. that people were not divorcing their spouses left and right? <clears throat> yeah. I, I wonder if he would even agree with the idea that um, abortionists should be prosecuted. I, I, I don't know if he would or not. I truly don't. Yeah, I, I, don't, know. I don't know. I mean, he, he really didn't seem too staunch against abortion in the talk. I mean, he did say the that there, when, the, when Roe v. Wade was overturned that they, were, they didn't know what to do, but... Apparently, neither does he. Well, that was kind of the point. He it's should like, have said, well, here's what they should have done. He said, they didn't know what to do. And by the way, at the end of the talk, we don't know what to do. We got to think about this. Like, if you murder someone, you should be executed. It's not that hard to figure out. So what's what's the application here? I mean, this is... Well, the application yeah. is the state of reformed Christianity well, is, and that's, needs some serious reformation. Yes. That's, yes. that's what. I, I oh, that's think one there's, thing. there's a lot of applications here that our listeners need to really seriously consider and think about. Uh, you know, there's, there's two different visions of the Reformed faith being presented here. And Dr. Godfrey's vision for the Christian faith basically accomplishes nothing in society. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Yeah. May, may, maybe it'll change some things, maybe not, but we just need to have a voice. Well, well, it seems like he has a problem with, with applicability because yes. we can't really apply the scriptures because people disagree. Is, is that not what you – you could say that from any social 
a university social state social science professor could say that exact same thing. I want to read another quote. Okay, and then you can comment on any of this stuff. He said, we used to have a balance, and that balance was Christendom. Christendom gave a certain level of moral direction that most people in our society accepted. Now, as I said, Christendom was under attack in the 19th century by Marx, Hegel, Darwin, and Freud. That They were attacking establishmentarianism? <laughs> I don't Christ, think Christ, so. Christendom was the balance? Or was it Christianity? Was it the truth of the gospel? I just... Christ... And his word gives moral direction to people. Now, I understand what he's saying. If you have a law and culture, uh, you know, don't murder, for example, it's going to restrain some people from murdering. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I submit it as a good thing. The Bible says it's a good thing. And now, but now he's saying Marx and Hegel were attacking establishment. They were attacking Christendom. They were attacking Christ. They didn't have a problem with establishmentarianism of another religion. You tell me Marx had a problem with establishmentarianism? Of course not. He had a problem with Christianity. So to say, well, let, let me ask you if I'm a, I've got a straw man here, because he does argue that it's good for Christendom to come to an end because that's an end of coercion. Yes, and now we go to persuasion. Yes. So, do I have a straw man here? You guys can knock it down if it is. So, Christendom was a, Christendom was attacked by Marx, Hegel, Darwin, and who was the other one? Freud. Freud, right? And Godfrey. Yeah. He joins that august group in attacking. Am I? Do I have a straw man here? In the end, in attacking what? Christendom. Christendom. Yeah, these guys, these these great Christians, apparently, right? Who wanted to do the right thing? Marx, Darwin, Freud, and Hegel. And and Hegel, right? They attacked Christendom, and so did Godfrey. Um, Straw man. I mean, I mean, he, he joins with that group of people. I think that there's a lot of people who otherwise we would consider being in our same perspective who are attacking the idea of Christendom, depending on how that's defined. Well, in, in his case, it's coercion, right? And, of course, Darwin, Marx, Freud, Hegel, they wanted freedom, of course. And that's yeah. my problem with what he had to say about the French Revolution, Right. Yeah. So so now, I mean, he is attacking Christendom. He is saying the end of it is a good thing. He, he de- is saying that. Yes, he definitely said that. Uh, and what he means by that is coercion. Right. Of, of Christian what? That's belief. The que- that's the question. Uh, uh, exactly. Is that is yeah. that all he's saying though? Because well, that's that, that's where yeah. it's murky. That's where he did not effectively communicate. Why didn't he could have said this was the end of establishmentarianism? It wouldn't have worked because you didn't have an established national church in America. Uh, he says America was part of Christendom, slightly different way than Europe was, but it was part of Christendom and it dominated how we thought, how we acted. So when did Christendom end in America? I do want to get to that briefly here at the end. But he, if his point is, okay, Christendom is establishmentarianism. He says, you know what? I'm not that bothered by the fact that this is over because you know what now we can go back to persuasion and and to me it just leaves so much to be desired like okay that's that's all you got like that's the definition of christendom is establishment what about the fact that we are butchering babies left and right that we're not following god's law like what about the fact that in the past you you when was uh it was how many years the first they finally uh ended child sacrifice yeah 378 emperor valentinian right and then 378 but but, but then that was in the roman empire but then in the whole world i think it was like around the year 1000 that the final 
you know, official human sacrifice in the West happened. I don't know. I don't remember where it was. So you got to this point. Until 1973. Right. And now it's back. <laughs> Officially. Yeah. And yeah. so my question to God, Dr. Godfrey is like, how, how you're throwing out, I guess maybe this is just a simple terms. You're throwing out the baby with the bathwater here. You're saying here's all the, the massive influence of Christianity that in 2015 you would have never said that it was all about coercion until the Crusades. You're throwing all that out now because you know what? There were some people who claimed to be Christian and forced and, and coerced belief. Really? You're going to throw out everything and you're not going to say, you know what the Bible teaches? That you're not supposed to enforce coerce belief. But you know what the Bible does teach? That there's a thing called justice. And you have to look to the Bible to say, you know what? Because he asks us in part two, we'll get to it next time with Luke, what should be a sin and a crime? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, I, I'll tell you what I do know. We need to get these drug addicts off the street. And it's a good thing for a system principal to jack up, you know, kids that look at them cross-eyed. But you know what? I don't know about homosexuals, homosexual acts. I don't know about divorce. I, there was nothing. There was no substance there. Uh, I want to talk about how when he said it ended. What, any other thoughts on that? Um, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know where. I, he, okay, I'll do it this way. Coercion, right? So um, William Carey goes to India, and he begins to put an end to Sati, the, um, the, the, the burn, widow, burning. widow burning, right? This is how bad this has gotten in, in reform circles. A, 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 am I off the reservation here, gentlemen? If I am, if I am to say right now, Dr. Godfrey, was that a good thing or a bad thing? Based on what you've said. Now, you're going to say it's a, a good thing that, that he did that. Right, that William Carey encouraged and even he utilized. persuaded them. He, pers ne he didn't. He never got a yeah. law, did he? Change yeah, he that? absolutely oh, did. That's right, he did. Oh, he, he absolutely so, so did. There was some coercion. Oh there. yeah, yeah. And so I, I, I mean, am, am I crazy that I would have to ask Doctor Godfrey if that was a good thing or a bad thing? In other words, I would, I would have thought until I heard his lecture that that would have been a really good thing that William Carey put an end to that business because you're coercing. See, this is where people need to understand. You're not coercing a Christian belief. You're not saying, you know what, you guys, you're not allowed to believe that it's a good thing to, to burn widows. You can believe that all you want. But if you do it, there's, there's going to be coercion here. Yeah. So that's what Godfrey just totally misses. So for our listeners, when you say, oh, we're coercing Christian belief, that is so murky, that's so unclear. The Bible does not say that the civil government comes in and says, hey, believe this or we're going to punish you. It says you've done something. You've done something, and now there's a consequence. And if he wants to say that's coercing Christian belief, that's not a good way to put it. It's saying there's a standard of justice, and what is it? And so that so William Carey saying, you know, we need to end the widow burning, burning these widows alive. We need the government to back this because this is murder, and that's coercion. And I don't know why Dr. Godfrey can't make that distinction that, you know, it's good that we don't force people to have a belief anymore. But we're not talking about that. I mean, at the end of the day, there is a, a very close connection between belief and action. Uh, we believe that or else we wouldn't be so. Of course. Yeah. Of but course, but yeah. we're saying the but, civil government does not punish someone for what they think. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Thought. What they do. Yes. It's what you do. It's the yeah. thought police that we're trying to avoid here. Um, but at the end of the day, I think what a lot of people are uncomfortable with is that there is that connection between belief and action. And so William Carey in India was basically telling people, yeah, you can think it in your mind, but you can't do it. You know? Well, no, and, he, he, he was actually doing both. 
he was he was but but he was only introducing government sanctions for one right and, and see this, this so is where, where we need you to talk have about to it. you have to argue with the thought right but you can only enforce on the action right you punish the action you argue you're persuasive on the thought right you're coercive. I'm happy with it. Everybody, like to Luke's point earlier, everybody's happy with coercion. You have to. I mean, there's more. That, that's his point. There's more coercion now in statism yeah. than there ever was in yeah. Christendom. Yeah, and even the French Revolution. He, he presents this, and, and we don't have time to talk about this. But I, I, I came brimming with this. Um, he actually acts as if in the beginning of his lecture, as if the French Revolution was a good thing. Now, lest you, and he changes that towards the end, he calls it godless, which it really was. Mm -hmm. But towards the beginning, he's talking about the fact, well, you know, the French, the reason why people react against the church was because it was, it was allied with the state and the state had become oppressive. You ain't seen oppression until you, until you invent the guillotine because you can't kill people fast enough. That was a French. That didn't happen before the front. That happened after the. That that was the uh, Committee for Public Safety. That was the people that were all about democracy, if I can say that. He doesn't even address that at all. They could not have been about freedom if they're killing people at the rate they had to kill people once they took power. But we have this subtle idea that well, the French Revolution guys were all about freedom, and and he lets that stand. And I'm. I, I, gentlemen, I shouldn't be shocked, but I am. This is a reformed historian here, Ligonier guy. What are you doing? Right. Um, there's one Sp- more. Speaking of coercion. Yeah, yeah. The, the amount of coercion under statism is off the charts because there's no restraint to it. There's no limit to it. It's whatever man says, and that's what Dr. Godfrey should have done. It says, hey, you know what? The Bible teaches, this is what, you know, your Bible teaches, the Bible teaches that there's only certain things the civil government is authorized by Christ to do. And here are some very clear ones, and then let's get into something. Like, there was nowhere. It was totally absent. So people are going to leave there thinking, well, yeah, Christendom is all about coercion, and we can't have that. So I guess the way we do it now is good, where there's way more coercion than there ever has been in human history. You know, I I can't even draw. It's just there's so many regulations. Now, last main thing to talk about here is when he says says Christendom ended in America. And this is, again, going to go to the point that his definition of Christendom is all over the place, because he says Christendom ended in 2015. He said, it ended in 2015, in the year of the Supreme Court decision legalizing gay marriage. I would argue is not the Supreme Court decision. Listen to this. I would argue that it was not the Supreme Court decision that marked the end of Christendom in America. So he's going to say here, you know what marked the end of Christendom? It was not a legal thing. It was not anything about coercion. It was not about the state. It was not about government. Uh, He says, it was the reaction to the Supreme Court decision that marked the end of Christendom in America. In 2012, Obama thought Christendom was sufficiently powerful enough in America that he did not dare challenge gay marriage. He had to pretend to agree with traditional marriage. In 2015, it was revealed in the lack of opposition to the Supreme Court decision, there is no longer a Christian consensus in this country. There are no longer Christian moral values that unite us in a profound way in this country. Christendom had ended. It had ended because it had been eroded and eroded and eroded. And suddenly, people noticed the majority of people don't feel that way anymore. I think, wait a minute. I thought coercion was about, or Christendom was about coercion, not what you feel and the Christian consensus. Now he's saying, you know what? And this would have been a better definition if he started from the beginning. Hey, Christendom is the influence of the gospel in the culture. 
and, and you know it's not perfect at times because we're sinful and there's the wheat and the tares, but as the gospel spreads, people's hearts are changed, and even someone whose heart isn't changed is influenced by that salt and light in their life, the other Christians, and they're like, you know what? Yeah, we don't want to uh, have gay mirage. We don't want to butcher babies in the womb, and that's a good thing, and you know what? We're starting to see that diminish, and I could be like, okay, yeah, I agree, because we all can look around and see what's going on. But his thing is, well, that, that's Christendom, and so he just throws everything out, and it's completely, it's un, so unhelpful to anybody really trying to understand what's going on. So that, that's when it ended, 2015. Uh, and uh, so I just think there's no substance to any of this. I got one more quote that I want to read, but just react to that. I mean, 2015, that's the end of Christendom. What did you think when he said that? Well, Perhaps. the first thing I thought of was, what about the reaction in 1973? Right. Or the lack of reaction. You know, why were the states not saying, uh, no, we're not going to follow the Supreme Court decision? You know, why were the churches not—now, I, I know there were a lot of faithful Christians in the past 50 years who continued to, to push against abortion. You know, there were a lot of Christians who were uh, going to the, the abortion mills and, and all these things. But for a country that has such a, a Christian heritage, it was a very sad reaction. Yeah, I would say further that what we're what we're really talking about here, ultimately, he's talking about some vague idea of Christendom. What we're talking about is God's law. It's the L word back again. And in 1973, we had already given up the God's law. We we we've given up that up for 50. Well, actually, years and years. I would argue ever since C.I. Schofield and so forth. Schofield originally, when he wrote his book. Uh, through his notes, originally said that in the Old Testament, Christians were saved by keeping the law. Now, in his revisor, he, he, he got away from that. Uh, somebody maybe pointed out to him Romans and Galatians at some point, which he apparently hadn't read uh, earlier. Here's, here's my point about all that, though. If you are going to enforce God's law, I want to know if that's a good thing or a bad thing from Godfrey's standpoint. God has a law. Is that enforceable? Today, we see uh, Psalm two, for example, quoted in the New Testament, and I, uh, the, the, one of the, again, the, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the frustrating things for me was, if you're talking about the end of, of Christendom and 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 coercion, at some point in a two hour lecture in a Q and A, can you bring up God's law? I don't think he can do that. I I don't think he can either, and and in the end. Even when it comes to abortion, again, tell me, guys, if this is a straw man here, because I don't, I don't want a straw man. But when it comes to abortion, the Southern Baptist Convention, Roe versus Wade, remember, Roe versus Wade, well, we say it legalized, but Doe versus Bolton was, was, was more clarifying, if you will. I want to talk about getting away from God's law, though. Here's why. In 1971, the Southern Baptist Convention had already said, we oppose abortion except in the case of rape and incest. That was 1971. That's two years before Roe versus Wade. So if you're going to talk about the end of Christendom, you mentioned Roe versus Wade before. The, the largest Protestant denomination in the country had already opened the door to the killing of the unborn. It always starts with the church. It does. It, it does. starts with the church. And it starts with the church with the abandonment of God's law. It's the one thing that you're not allowed to promote in Christianity today. 
God's law. You can promote general Christendom in some areas. Well, Godfrey doesn't. Persuasive Christianity. Yes, you, and, and, and Christian principles common, and common, so forth. Common sense solutions. Yeah, he oh, said that. Oh, yeah. I think oh, it's a common sense. values. Yeah, all that. But the L word, not acceptable and i wonder if god again straw man i hope not i keep saying that i i i i, I don't want to do that i i just want to apply this would he basically have a pro-abort position oh joel you're a, no, no no he's pro-life i know it let me argue this for a second the pro-life position i would argue would go with the southern baptist convention in 1971 abortion should be safe legal and rare how is that different from the pro-abort position Mm-hmm. How how is that actually different, and where would Godfrey come down on that? I would want to know. We sure don't know. I, I sure don't know from his his lecture yeah, here. You're asking the question. You're not saying, but you're asking yeah. the question. I would like to know because this, this is very clear. And to to that point, um, I'd say he can't he he can't bring up God's law because he can't refute it. And and I I believe and he's you know he's written a book against the anomie and whatnot. But for example, when he brings up gay mirage and stuff, he's like, well, I'm not speaking whether or not this should be legal or illegal. Right. Oh, yeah, I love that point. I'm, I'm not taking up a side. What a hypocrite. And, you know, if racism came up, I promise you he's taking a side. Because if he if he brings up God's law, you know, then he has to deal with this issue of justice and what is justice. And I think the whole point of this is to is a reaction against Christian nationalism. And again, I have my concerns with some variations of that. But if he, if he, if he can't come in and say, look, what we need to do is follow God's law, because that defeats the whole purpose of this this mini conference. Like we need to say that those Christian nationalists out there who believe that God's law should be applied in the civil sphere, they, they, they're all about coercion, and we're not about that. And he's like, well, I'm not going to answer whether or not we, you know, we should deal with this stuff. And it's like, man, but but you will answer whether or not we should deal with drug addicts. Yeah, yeah. Chris, it would have been just so helpful. I could just accept this so much better myself if he would have just at some point admitted that everybody's about coercion, e- 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 even then. But he couldn't even do that because now you have to decide which coercion is legit. If everybody's practicing it and you can't stop coercion at, at any point, now you got to talk about legit coercion. How about thou shalt not kill and whoever sheds man's blood by man shall his blood be shed. Now you got to go to God's law and you can't admit even that everybody's about coercion. That's what law is. Right. Like, that would have been substance if you would have been like, yes. let me spend five minutes saying, you know what, in the past, the church got some got something's wrong and they tried to coerce some people. Okay. But you know what? Coercion is inevitable and it's actually required to your point on murder. And so now let's spend the next hour and 45 minutes saying what coercion is acceptable. Yes. That I, would have been substantive. Yes. People could have been like, okay, you know what? Yeah. Now after this two hour conference, I, I understand why it was wrong for the Church of England to arrest John Bunyan. Because he went to a, he did another Christian service. I understand. Thank you, Doctor Godfrey, for giving me the biblical understanding here of why the civil government, the church, should not have that sort of authority melded with the civil government. And also, you've explained to me that the Bible teaches that if you murder someone, if you kidnap someone, there's consequences. There's coercive consequences if you steal. Uh, now I understand. I have a framework to recognize that coercion is not evil, right? Coercion in and of itself. Uh, it, you talk about what about in parenting? Coercion, yeah, really spanking your child, yeah, physically preventing them. They're about to do something, grabbing them. I mean, he he see he he so contradicts himself because he says coercion was great in the high school when the principal jacked up the kid. That was good coercion, but so I, I think that's where this failed miserably. 
Uh, I'm going to give you guys a final word, and we are going to come back with this part two, um, and we'll address more of his, his, his uh, session two, where he says, okay, what's the solution to the end of Christendom? Uh, I have one more quote that I want to read today, and this is how he ends part one. This is what he says. This is the divide in America. He says, the divide in America really is between those who don't see that Christendom has collapsed and still think as if it were in place, and those who not only are glad Christendom has collapsed, but they're celebrating and they're pushing it. So I say, okay, so if we all agree with Godfrey that Christendom is over, then there'd be no division in America. So there, then, then, then I would be fine with those people who are butchering babies, who are hacking off the breasts of 13-year-old girls, you know, because the only reason we have a division is because they, they're happy Christendom's over and I'm not. That's, it's just so shallow. And it's like, that's, that's the divide. So which side would Godfrey be? He may say, well, I'm not on either side. You know, I'm, I'm not mostly, I'm not upset Christendom's over. It's just like... I'm neutral? Yeah. How oh. can you be neutral about abortion, about transgender? I know he would say he opposes those things, so I'm not saying he doesn't, but the, he just makes this... But he can't do it consistently. Right. That's, that's, that, that's, that's the, the problem. Critique. Yeah. That, that is the problem. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if this is my last word or not. Um, I would wait Go till ahead. you finish. Okay. Yeah. Um, my last word is uh, Dr. Godfrey. I would invite you um, to the next Future of Christendom conference. We did a debate. Uh, James White was involved in a debate with a uh, homosexual activist, basically. Uh, he might not call himself that in our last debate. That's and, what he and, is. and our, our, our um, conference is called The Future of Christendom. And um, you know, I believe you believe that Christendom only has a past, it doesn't have a future. Dr. Godfrey, you would be great to come and debate this topic. We'll find an opponent for you. Um, we, we would be very flexible with the terms of the debate. If you want to have like three, three on three, we could do that. One on one, we could do that. Uh, we would treat you quite fairly. And it's love to have you on, uh, Dr. Godfrey. This, this would be exciting interesting you could you could really make your case against people that oppose you know versus a, a lecture you could really clarify your points with someone opposing you dr godfrey um bring um your, your your son who's a pastor right here he wouldn't even have to travel dr godfrey will pay for your travel uh will pay for your uh, expenses your 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 hotel um please Please come and debate this issue in next year's Future of Christendom Conference. I'll give you a heads up. It's probably going to be in September or October, so I give you time to plan. We welcome you. Please do this. Yeah, that'd be great. Travis, anything you want to add? I don't think he's going to take you up after this podcast, Joel. Um, he, yeah. he should. Hey, these are he ideas. Defend himself. Yeah, we, we, are, we are wrestling with ideas. I agree. And, yeah, and I was selling concrete 10 years ago. He's, he's been a historian all his life and a pastor. Come on. He can, he can take down yeah. idiots like me. Yeah, yeah before I you agree. say anything, I mean, you know, Luke is, uh, definitely has some choice words. And, and I think that, that's, that's one of the things we're missing in Christianity <laughs> today. I mean, you look back at the Reformation, and of course, this is a Reformation scholar, and these guys will go at it with each oh, other. Man, they, yeah. I mean, Luther and... Uh, well, these, these ideas are important. Right. The ideas matter. And so we're going to attack the ideas. And, and people have a hard time understanding, oh, well, you're attacking Dr. Godfrey. No, we're not. We're saying, here's what he said, and there are some serious problems with that. And we welcome him to do the same with us and say, you know, what you guys are saying is completely off the rails. And it's going to lead to X, Y, and Z, and that's why we invite him in for a debate. But we just have this 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 sissy culture 
that the you nicer know what? than Jesus mentality. Yeah, yeah, you know, we're not, we're not, we can't say anything. He didn't have a coercive bone in his body. Don't That's forget. Right, yeah. Right. yeah. So I hope people aren't oversensitive. Like we're dealing with the ideas here. All right, Travis, go ahead. No, I agree. Uh, I'll get on my soapbox just because I think this is a, so, this is key to this discussion is this idea that the Trojan horse of the United States of America and of the church nowadays is the myth of neutrality. I can agree with that. We as a church, and I think that's what's going on with Dr. Godfrey. I think we have allowed the Trojan horse of neutrality into Christendom. And I would say in, in America, the beginning of the end of, if you want to say Christendom from our perspective would be, uh, the U.S. Constitution Amen. not officially... I was waiting for it. <laughs> the U.S. Constitution not officially recognizing Christ. Right. Um, and then, therefore, not applying God's law there it is. to Amen. the public sphere. Now, you and I would disagree on how that should be done. Hey, that's a conversation but, to have, but... you know, we, we would be disagreeing on how to apply it, not whether or not it should be applied. That's the problem here. But yeah, he I'm good doesn't with the discussion think it should how, be applied yeah, at all. I, exactly. <laughs> I'm okay with the discussion on how. I'm not okay with the discussion of if. Right. Yes, because it's not whether, but which, right? That's the saying. So everyone, please, in the Reformed world, please think about this. Read about this. Interact with uh, Greg Bonson. Interact with these guys who were pushing this idea of the antithesis and who are arguing against this myth of neutrality. You really have to deal with that. That's my point. That's very well said. And I think that does summarize this whole end of Christendom conference. We're going to dig into it more because there's a lot that was brought up in part two uh, and just his, his application on where do we go from here. But if you get anything, uh, hopefully from our summary of part one, and if you go listen to it, I'll link to his, his discussion so you can listen to it, his seminar, whatever, and you can, you can hear what Dr. Godfrey had to say. But I want you to listen to that and try to understand what he's saying Christendom is. And in the end, he makes it about coercion, but then he does not say, you know what? We have to be able to define what coercion is biblical, which coercion is biblical, and which coercion is not. And if you don't do that, then your whole talk is, I, was, I say, is useless because it doesn't give anybody any substance. Okay, uh, you're, it, you're asking people to listen to it, and then would you you be willing, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, I don't want to, you know, it's, it's your, sh you know, your show here, um, Chris, but would you be willing to have someone if, you know, so far you haven't heard from Dr. Godfrey or, or his son, but would you be willing to have someone come in who defends what, what, what he said? Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Open invitation. If yeah. you want to defend, uh, the key points of what Dr. Godfrey said, my summary at the end of the first part was basically this, Hey guys, here's what's happened in America. You know, everybody's fine with sodomy now. I guess Christendom failed. Th that's kind of the summary. Like, Hey, it didn't work. You know, the church tried for 1,100 years to force people to be Christians, and uh, it failed because, you know, we've embraced sodomy. So I guess that's it. So anyway, we've covered all that. Those details come back for part two where we'll finish this. Joel, you got one more thing <laughs> no, you want to say, say? Tell that to your baseball coach. Uh, you know, hey, coach, I, I, swung, I swung three times. I missed. Uh, I guess I'm not going to swing anymore. I just stand up there and let, let the ball go. No, no. Get your bat on the ball. Apply Christianity. 
this is a failure of the lack of application of God's law, not the application of it. That's why this is so dangerous. That was the point that you brought up earlier, that, yeah, Calvinism has not really had a chance to really be applied in all of the cultural spheres, including government. I think Kuiper said that. Yeah. Well, yeah, you brought it up though, yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm saying, but it's just ironic yeah. that he brings up Kuiper, and that's... I, I found that very interesting, yeah. I, and I look forward to really in, interacting with that idea in the next podcast. Yeah, part two, we will, you know, people might say, well, you guys really didn't give us much solution either. Well, we were interacting with part one. Oh, I Which, think we gave solutions. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll do it more, I think, next next episode. But in part one, Godfrey's basically laying out, here's Christendom, and here's why it ended. And we are challenging that and saying, okay, you need to understand, if we're going to define Christendom like this, then Godfrey's own talk is not consistent. It's inconsistent with itself, and it's certainly inconsistent with how most people have used the term Christendom, I would argue. Throughout, yeah, throughout I, and history. I would argue, like I said before, that you know, the beginning of the end, maybe I forget exactly how I said it in the United States of America was, you know, with the constitution and, and the founding of the United States. But I don't see that as the end. I don't think we're at the end of Christendom. Well, it can only be the end of Christendom if you narrowly define it as, as Godfrey does. Right. But from our perspective, this was a problem. This was, yeah, we definitely need to, to go back, repent and say, yeah, we tried to do this without God. That's the problem. Or and, more specifically, without his law. Well, yeah, but, yeah. you know, all yeah. of it. Like, right. we, yeah. we, we completely have completely abandoned God, his law, everything. So let's get back to that. Yeah. I just, I just can't overemphasize that. I mean, read Alvin Schmidt's book, How Christianity Changed the World. Was it perfect? No. But you had people saying, you know what? God's law is supreme. What was it? The one emperor who had butchered all these guys, and then the bishop went to him and said, you know what? You can't, just, you can't go murdering people. It's a higher law. It's God's law. And that changed the world. And we're standing on that, and, and Dr. Godfrey here is just dismissing all that and saying, that was all coercion, I'm glad it's over. I mean, what? I mean, to your point about the future of, your, of, of our children, we go 200 years from now, it's going to be a better place when secular humanism, when paganism has become the dominant force in morality and law. That's going to be better when we're butchering babies and hacking off breasts and and. Uh, just sell and walking through the street naked celebrating sodomy i just i know he reject he said we're here we're <laughs> queer we're coming for your children right i know he would say those things are bad i'm not saying that he wouldn't but my point is simply you're th- dismissing everything because at some points people who claim the name of christ did things that were wrong and the only way you can say they're wrong this is the point you can only say what they did was wrong dr godfrey if you go to the bible and say you know what this is not what the bible says and he didn't do that he just said, coercion is bad. And everybody's like, well, yeah, I guess you're right. And that's it. And that, that, that to me is a complete failure. You're, you're throwing the game. That's what you're doing. You're throwing the game. You're, you're, you're conceding the very foundation that you have to build on when you give in to this idea of the secular state. You're giving it to them. And he's happy to do so, apparently. It's the right thing to do because we know the state is not coercive. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to stop there. There's so much. We could go on and on with this, um, and we'll we'll get a part two. So uh, thank you for listening. Again, I hope you can join us again for part two. Go listen to Dr. Godfrey's talks. Again, Dr. Godfrey, I know he's out in California, uh, but we'd love to have him call into the show. And we love Pastor Godfrey uh, here in Lancaster County to come in. I know Pastor Godfrey didn't give the talk in Lancaster County. His father did, but we'd love to have either one of you in or anyone else that would like to come in 
And, uh, you know, I hope people will not be turned off by a, a robust discussion and analysis and disagreement with what Dr. Godfrey says. I'm not saying, you know, Dr. Godfrey is, is an enemy of Christ. Not, we're not saying that. We're saying, look, this is what this guy said, and what is the application of that? And where does that lead to? And how does that help people? And does it hurt things? It's possible for someone who's a... I mean, that's kind of his point. You know, hey, there are all these people said they were Christians, but you know what? Sometimes they did things that were not correct. Well, that can still happen today. So let's have that discussion, and let's, let's grow and move forward and, and talk. Let's not just dismiss each other. And so, again... We're saying, here's we disagree with you. We'd love to have you or anybody else come in and say, no, you're wrong. Here's why what Dr. Godfrey said was right. So please contact us, uh, and we'll get you in here. For more information about the Lancaster Patriot, go to thelancasterpatriot.com. To support our show, go to patreon.com slash thelancasterpatriot. Until next time, remember that Christ, not man, is king, and he will build his kingdom so long.